This is the Yob ConvoCast, one-on-one conversations with your other brother's authors, community members, supporters, and friends. What's up, friends? This is the Yob ConvoCast special edition. I'm so excited. We haven't had a ConvoCast series special edition since the ConvoCast was born. For for any Yob aficionados, any like Yob superstars out there listening, we started the ConvoCast during COVID. COVID is responsible for the Yob ConvoCast because it was just kind of a cool way to check in with people all around the country, all around the world, and just see how they're doing um, during the early days of the pandemic in early 2020. And then it was just fun to have those short form conversations that they continued and they've continued for the last couple of years. Um, but starting today and starting for the next two months, buckle in, buckle in everybody. Uh, for the next two months, we're doing a series of convo cast one after the other with folks in our community identifying all over the Enneagram. And if you haven't already listened to it, go ahead and check out our Yobcast, Yobcast 95 on the Enneagram, where we talked about the Enneagram, kind of introed this whole topic and what we're about to dive into for the next couple of months. Um, the ConvoCasts are usually 20 to 30 minutes, and I, the way I see these ConvoCasts going, we're about to see, this is the first one um, in this series, but I perceive these being slightly longer, so maybe more in the 30 to 40 minute range. We'll see, we'll see who the guests are and how the conversation flows. Um, I'm thinking that the conversation today will flow. That's my hunch because they've flowed before. You might remember him from some Spider-Man conversations or fetishes. He's he's talked about all sorts of things with me. He is our community's resident eight, identifying as an eight on the Enneagram, kicking off this Ennea ConvoCast series. It's our other brother, Matt. What's up, Matt? What up, everyone? What up, Matt? Matt, you sound a little under the weather. You feeling all right? So far, yes. I actually was dealing with a sore throat for a good week. So I am actually up like on the upside mm. of everything. So my voice is coming back. Um, this past weekend, I lost my voice completely. Like completely, I could only like whisper. And that was it. But as of right now, um, as you're hearing, like it's actually a lot better. I would say about 75% better. So I would say this upcoming weekend, maybe. Maybe not. We'll see. Uh, I should be 100% better. Okay. But as far, yeah, as far uh, now, this is what you're going to hear. And you guys are going to have to get used to it, whether you like it or not. If you guys are already annoyed with Matt's scratchy voice, get over it. Which is the eight energy we love and that Matt brings every single time we talk to him. Um, Matt, thank you for being here. If you have to whisper by the end of this conversation, please do. It'll be ASMR. <laughs> we can have, have some whisper. Okay. <laughs> Good, good to know. Um, let's do a little intro on the Enneagram. Something I want to always say at the top at at the top of all of these convocasts. The Enneagram is a tool. The Enneagram is not an idol. I know sometimes we play it off that way. Or I'll just speak for myself. Sometimes maybe I play it off as like this, you know, this be all end all. But it's just a tool. It's a tool that we've used that I've used to learn about myself, to learn about how others are wired. It's certainly not a replacement for things like therapy. It's certainly not a replacement for a relationship with Jesus or reading the Bible or prayer, but it is a very helpful tool that I have found extremely useful and that 
my friends, the people I'm going to be talking to, and people who have submitted feedback have found helpful as well. So the goal over the next two months is to learn about each type. Um, there are these nine distinct types on the Enneagram. And within each type, there's variance. There is a spectrum. I loved Ryan's analogy of a rainbow, so fitting, that there's not just one shade of red. And similarly, there's not just one shade of eight. Um, and so we have Matt here to learn a lot about how the eight is wired. Um, we also have some Yabber feedback for each of these type conversations um, where people in our community submitted answers to the same questions that I'm going to be talking to our guests about. Um, so we're going to be looking at motivations and fears, and we're going to be looking at stress and security, um, which if you're super adept at the Enneagram, you kind of know what those things are. And if you're not, well, what the goal is to have these conversations and, and sort of like step our feet into the Enneagram terminology, but we don't want to lose people. We want to have this conversation be as accessible as possible. If you have no idea what the Enneagram is or types or wings or triads or all that stuff, uh, we still always want to have a great conversation. And since we're a community of men navigating matters of faith, sexuality, and masculinity, like what a cool opportunity for us to process the Enneagram in a way that I don't think any other podcast, dare I say, has ever done. So we're gonna have this conversation about um, each of the Enneagram types through the lens of sexuality, masculinity, how we relate with other men. So Matt, are you ready? I know you are. Yeah, of course I'm ready. I've been waiting for this, yeah, for a good week. <laughs> and you're so cool, yeah, you're so cool to be the first one to kick it off with type eight. I told you, I was joking with you before we started the recording that my goal through all of these episodes, minus one, is to not share my perspective because that's for the type four. I don't want to say, oh yeah, Matt, you're like this. Let me tell you how I am. Like my goal is to just listen. And so if I start to share the way I'm wired in this episode, please cut me off. Okay. <laughs> I will. I definitely will. Probably the only time. Well, no, that that's actually a lie. There's actually been a couple of episodes in the past where I like had to tell you to <clears throat> stop talking, baby. Uh -huh. It sounds familiar. Yeah, you've done it before. So, so I have no doubt yeah. you'll do it again. Yeah, if you I, need I to. Um, yeah it's going to be so fun to see how we're wired, how we're similar as gay or SSA people of faith, but then also how we diverge on lots of things. And so it's going to be really illuminating, I think. I'm really excited to dive into this with starting with Matt. Um, the information, by the way, I'm going to share some intro matter in a lot of these episodes, and a lot of it comes from truity.com. I gave a shout out to Truity during our Enneagram podcast, Yobcast, um, and they have the best Enneagram quiz that I've found out there. So if anyone wants to find your type or start to figure out what your type might be, you can go to truity.com. We'll link the, the quizzes in all of these ConvoCast episodes. I also borrowed some things from enneagramgift.com when we're talking about stress and security. So a little bit of information borrowed from there. So I'll do some reading throughout the episode um, just to give some context. But for the most part, we're going to talk to Matt and hear what his perspective is. All right, Matt. So I'm going to start it off with the truity description of what an eight is. And so then I want you, after I read it, to tell me how that jives with you. Does that sound accurate or would you add this isn't a big long thing, but if, if you could add an extra sentence or tweak a sentence, then what would you tweak or add? So here's how, here's how Truity des describes and defines the eights. Eights are defined by their desire to be powerful and to avoid any vulnerability. They present a confident, assertive, and decisive image to others. Eights can be argumentative and intimidating. It is important to them to stand up for what they believe in and to protect those who are weaker than themselves. How's that sit with you? I say that's pretty accurate. Yeah? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's the basis of Enneagram eights. I mean, um, I would say uh, actually something to add. Um, the basis of being an eight is all about control. Um, whether uh, you're either controlling your own environment or the environment of others is because like you don't want to be weak. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I would say that's, that's almost like a pretty, pretty close or on the spot accuracy. Yeah, no, thank you for adding that part about control. Something I wanted to mention at the top too was that the reason we're starting with eight, like maybe some people are like, why aren't you starting with one? <laughs> maybe some people would think numerically you would start with type one and then go to type nine. Um, the reason we're starting with eight, I kind of want there to be a bit of a rhythm to this. So types eight, nine, and one are part of the gut triad is what it's called, right? Um, and yes. so that, that part of the conversation might come up as we go. Like you essentially types eight, nine, and one rely on intuitive intelligence, which I mentioned on, on the Enneagram Yobcast. And so if that comes up at all, as we have this conversation about being a gut type or having this intuition, um, feel free to reference that. Uh, definitely, uh, the gut triad is too true for innate. And I would say with the gut triad, and us eight, we have a very intense um, intuition about stuff, and we definitely listen to our 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 gut feeling. Yeah, and it's gonna be really fascinating to do like these next couple episodes because we're gonna go in order. So next week will be type nine, the week after that will be type one, and then to make the shift around the dial. Like if you guys know what the enneagram diagram looks like, we'll go from eight, nine, one at the top, and then we'll turn the dial to the types two, three, and four, which are the emotional, the heart types including yours truly, and and then winding it over with five, six, and seven, which are the body types, which rely on body um, intelligence. So it'll be fun to just see similarities from every three episodes, basically, and trying to trying to just find some sort of a cross-section of our, of our community through these types, these triads. I might be correcting you. I might be also be wrong, which if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. Uh, isn't uh, the five, six, and seven more of the mind triad as in like thinking i'm sorry you're totally right yeah, yeah yeah it was the head types i sometimes interchange body and gut so i think body eight nines and ones can also sometimes be called the body types you're right and then five six and sevens are more head types look at you mr enneagram you used to hate the enneagram <laughs> so a friend of mine gave me a book so you mentioned it in your last podcast mm, the road back to you is that the book Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's a pretty That's solid book. If anyone wants just kind of a basic primer on the Enneagram, it's a good one. I could give that. I could give people five or six resources, but we'll stick with that. Road back to you. That's a good one. I shared a little bit about the stats in the Yobcast on the Enneagram, but I wanted to reaffirm what the stats were kind of on a broader perspective because um, according to Truity, Truity did a study of more than 54,000 respondents and type eights were found to make up approximately 15% of the population which honestly seems high to me. I did not expect it to be that high, 15%. So eight is a much more common type among men representing only 12% of women compared to 18% of men, which again, feels like a lot. But when you look at our community, I mentioned on that episode in Yab, two to 4%, <laughs> two to 4%, which why do you think that is, Matt? Why, why are you so rare in our community? Uh, I have a few ideas, but... I'm going to 
not say them because they're they're kind of mean. because we're too we're too emotional and flowery and yes. sugary. Yes, <laughs> just say exactly, it. exactly. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to practice being uh, more healthier. That was good. That was good. So, yeah, yeah. We're by large a gentle community, so. Not that AIDS can't be gentle, but you mentioned at the top, like a desire for control, competence, power, typically doesn't have gentle in the same conversation. But um, I wanted to get to, so again, I mentioned at the top, we have four main sections today, starting with motivations. Um, so here's the eight's core motivation. Eights are motivated by their desire to be independent and in control. They resist appearing or feeling weak and reject any authority that restricts them. So I put this question out to you and I put this question out to our yobbers. Uh, question one, how do you resonate with your type's core motivations? Is there anything you would tweak? And how do these core motivations connect with your sexuality, your gender identity, and relating with other men, gay or straight? And throughout this conversation, I wanted to make it clear that sometimes people in our community, maybe it's the same for some people, but sometimes we might interact differently with other gay or SSA men versus straight men. And so I kind of wanted to put that out there as an option. Like, is there a way that you see your type manifesting differently among those two subsets of men? Or if it's the same, it's the same. But uh, starting with, yeah, their motivations, anything that you would tweak in that statement and how does that apply to you, your sexuality and your masculinity? Hmm. Well, I I don't think I would tweak anything, but how it applies to... Uh... My sexuality, I mean, growing up, like, especially as an eight, like, I, I think we all go through this, like, yeah, I think almost everybody goes through this. It's just like, we don't, at first, we don't want to be gay. And then from there, we accept our sexuality. And then from there, we, we evolved into uh, what we are right now or to become a better person. So for me, um, I think one of the things that I wanted to control is, um, who I uh, wanted to become as a, as a person. So I didn't want my sexuality to define everything that I, I, I am. I wanted it to be just a, a piece of me because I knew that I, um, I, I knew that I offered more than my sexuality. And I think from there, that's, that's kind of the controlling part is like, Hey, um, especially with my friends here, in New Mexico, like majority of them, when they, when they first met me, they're like, I wouldn't, um, ascribe to you as like a gay person mm -hmm. until like, I, I tell them my, my, my story and everything. And it's like, wow. It's like, that's crazy. It's like, yeah, it's like, I, w whatever you have, like the stereotypes of gay men or whatever, um, whoever is a part of the LGBTQ plus, uh, um, community, like, yeah, I'm, I, I kind of want to be my own person. I kind of want to be my own uh, individual and I, I want to control what people think about me. So I am not going to be part of the stereotype, but then it's like, okay. But at the same time, it's like, I, I still need, I, I wanted, or I still needed to be comfortable with who I am as a person. So that part is definitely true. And then what, what other stuff was a part of the key motivations as well? Um, so it was resisting appearing weak, rejecting any authority that restricts them. I will um, push back and say, like, "Hey, it's like I, I I need time to process this. I need I need time to 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 think about all the stuff that you said." Or 
um, like if you need the answer right away, it's like, no, it's like, you are not getting an answer right now, or I'm not going to do this right now. Somebody who's above authority uh, above me. So that's, yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. I I've done it before, especially with my pastor mm. uh, here. Yeah. And appear to be weak. Uh, yeah. That's definitely a strong thing because I mean, every, especially within the whole job community, like everybody's emotional and all that stuff. Like we, <laughs> I think us eight wants to be like the odd man out and to be like, Hey, it's like, I'm not like you. I am not like everybody here in the community. It's like, if I'm going to cry, like I will cry. But as of right now, I'm not, it's like, or if I'm going to show vulnerability, I will, but it's going to be on my terms. It's going to be on my, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be on, on, on my dime. And when I want to be vulnerable, I will be vulnerable. But as of right now, I am not. So and of course, that kind of appears to be like, maybe that's because we don't want to appear weak. But in due time, when we when we learn to become healthy, that's when we start learning that it's like, hey, it's okay to be, it's okay to feel weak and actually mm-hmm. say it. It's like, we are weak and we are vulnerable and this and that. And it's like this counterintuitive thing, because I've noticed we've been friends for like over a decade, right? I feel like sometimes like late 2000, late 2000s, basically, um, early 2010s. And so I, yeah, I've just seen a progression in you where you're way more approachable. I think it's, it's like you, it feels safer to be with you because I just feel like, and whether it's like you've been open on the show about going through a lot of grief and going through loss over the last year or two. Um, and I'm sure maybe that's been part of your, your human experience certainly and growing these last few years, but um, but it's just a beautiful thing when an eight isn't just like the large and in charge person all the time and you get to see their some of their humanity, like it's a beautiful thing and it can probably feel counterintuitive to you because it's like, if I feel weak, then I am weak and why would anyone wanna be with a weak person? But, but it really does humanize you in a way that makes you more approachable, relatable, um, someone that I actually do want to be around. So, so I, Throw that out there if that's a perspective you've not heard before. I've heard I've heard about that with uh, a couple of my friends and everything. And um, I, I would say, like, if you are wanting to become friends with an eight, um, you're going to have to be really patient with them. Hmm. Hold yeah. on, because I'm gonna I'm gonna end the convo cast. There's gonna be, I didn't mention this at the top, but I'm gonna end every convo cast with a section um, from one of those websites about. If you know an eight and want to love an eight well, this is what you should do. So I'm going to read that at the end, and then you can comment on it if there's something I left out. <laughs> You're ahead of the okay, curve. Yeah. You're ahead of the curve. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, then we're going to leave that at yeah, the end. Yeah. You're on the right track, though. You're on the right track. Okay. Um, Good. Good. I wanted to read our Yabber feedback on that question and see if you had any thoughts. Because what's interesting, we won't dive into wings too much on these episodes, but you identify as a eight wing seven. Is that right? More of a seven. Yes. yes, I do. So you can be a wing of the number on either side of you. And so um, this reader, this community member, he identifies as an eight wing nine. So I'm curious if that produces any sort of divergence in any way. But here's how he answered that question about motivations. Um, he said this, I can often be relentless, ruthless, and heartless, or at least seemingly appear that way. I'm not sure if there's anything I'd tweak there. The qualities above seem to describe me pretty well. I tend to be or appear hyper-masculine. I have no interest in sports, but I enjoy working with tools and my hands, building or fixing things and outdoor activities. People are often stunned, are often in stunned shock 
when I come out to them. It's easy to relate to other straight men at times or fake it till I make it. Consequently, it can be harder to relate to gay men who are less secure in their masculinity, though I'm growing and continue to be challenged. So please, brothers, continue to challenge me. Any reactions to that? That's pretty accurate with me. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was reading it. It sounded uh, really similar to what yeah. you shared. Yeah, no, no. That's that's definitely accurate with me. Like, although um, he's a wing nine, I'm a I'm a wing seven. Um, it, it's everything. Like, I I can relate to uh, my straight friends like almost all the time. And within Yob, like you've seen it. <laughs> I have. You, you, you've seen it uh, that like I have to like exclude i have to like be in seclusion because i there's only so much i can take like just being a part of like just kind of like the lgbtq plus community and just mm. like it, it feels like i am the odd man out because like i'm like it, i don't know it appears like i'm i'm more masculine or something like that. i mean like yeah. not to dog on anybody there's nothing wrong with like being feminine or anything like that or if that's like one of one of your traits like it it be proud of who you are but like, there's also us where we don't feel like a part of the community because we don't act like certain uh, a certain way. So therefore, like we um, venture out to more of the straight guys and we vibe with them. And I don't know, we 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 feel more comfortable. I think it's because uh, it's probably because we don't want to feel weak. Yeah. And we we also want to be in control. So I think that's probably the part of it uh, of why we appeal more to straight guys than our own community. But uh, again, it's a process of learning. And this, You're learning more about yourself. This conversation is already a grand slam. I'm already loving it because this is giving me a whole new heart for the type eights in our community, which again, there haven't been many over the years. They've come and gone, a couple have come and gone, um, but we have a couple that remain. And it's giving me a just new eyes and new perspective because the I think the tendency for anyone who knows the Enneagram, the tendency is to think that the eight I don't know, maybe this is super generalized. It's like the eight doesn't struggle or they don't, if they're struggling, it's manageable and they're taking care of it behind closed doors and they're fine. They're fitting in socially, like they're fine. But because there's so few of you and because there is visually a stark contrast from eights and typically most of our community, like it gives me a new heart for for you, for for how you fit in and how you connect and how you relate because I've visited you out there in the land of enchantment and you have so many <laughs> you've taken me to so many social gatherings and all these straight boys everywhere and so i've seen a bit of your world it's a bit of a glimpse into into your social dynamics and so i have a new heart for you just on what you just shared oh and uh i, I would i would like to add to that too it's, it's um mostly because we actually want to take responsibility for our actions and not only that but we want to take responsibility of our emotions too and if uh, we, we, we can't, again, control our emotions, and again, it will probably feel like we're, we're weak. It's like we, um, we wanna be the strong example for other people because we see other people um, not taking responsibility for their actions. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we wanna be the first, or either not the first, but kind of like, one of one of the examples was like, "Hey, you don't have to act like this way. Watch me." So that's one of the reasons why, like, I um, kind of if if you met me at first, kind of like I'm like a little bit emotionless. It's like, no, it's like 
I just want to be responsible for my own actions. I don't want you to be a burden of my own emotions and also actions. And I don't want you to worry about me. I want to, I want me to worry about my own self. Mm. So it's, it's, it's again, responsibility. Yeah. I think eights have a lot to offer as far as responsibility, stewardship. I think, you know, a healthy eight, this is always about if someone's healthy or unhealthy, but I think if it's a healthy eight, um, they steward their emotions well, not having no emotions, but if they steward them well in a community, that's typically very emotional. Let's say that, um, that can be a breath of fresh air. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that, that eight hashtag eight energy. Yeah. And if, if you want to be like healthy and sometimes the responsibility, uh, yeah, this responsible thing to do is actually share and show your emotions to, uh, those that you trust. And that's, that's another mm-hmm. huge thing that we, uh, uh, us eight, um, uh, that, that we have, we have, we definitely have trust issues. So don't we all? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but, but for us, like if, if uh, we can't trust you, then we're not going to share like yeah. a whole lot about us. And not only that, we, we won't express ourselves to, to that person. So if you want to be a, a, a healthy yay, you're going to have to take responsibility in sharing uh, yourself to others. Yeah, we'll get to health towards the end of the conversation, but let's go to fear. Let's go to fear right now. Um, so the eight's, oh, great. the eight's deepest fear, we're starting to dive deep, Matt. Um, eight's fear being vulnerable and powerless more than anything. And they cope with this fear by always being strong and in control, which we started to hit on already. Um, but the question was, how do you resonate with that statement? Would you tweak it any? And then how does your deepest fear connect with your sexuality, your gender identity, your connection with men? gay or straight so again going back to like growing up like i uh, struggled with my sexuality and it's like I, I didn't want it and um i didn't i did not go far as like to to date like women or anything like that i for some odd reason i i knew better um but yeah just just to appear like straight just because i didn't want to deal with my sexuality it's like that was a big red flag and but again like the more the more we grow the more we have to experience our own self and our own uh, sometimes disappointment in in life and there's some decisions that you have to go through and it has a negative effect but if you um if you uh learn from it and if you uh learn from it and also make it into a way where you where you want to grow and you go in the directions where you want to be healthy, then yeah, like go, I would say go for it. But for being unhealthy, uh, sometimes us eights are very stubborn. We're very hard headed. So it, again, it might take a, take a good while, but if you do recognize as like, Hey, I don't want to be unhealthy, especially an un- unhealthy eight where I'm like always angry that I'm always like, sometimes want to get in a fight with somebody because I'm not uh, okay with my own sexuality. It's like, no, it's like, dude, it's like you have to deal with like your own issues. You have to deal with what's inside. And if you want to become like a healthy eight, like you're going to have to start again, as I said before, taking responsibility. Yeah. Very interesting. Let me read the, the Yabber feedback on this one and let's see if you have any comments on it. 
Um, so he said this about the eight's fear. I resonate with the desire to be strong and in control as well as fear being powerless, but the farther I walk along this road, the less afraid I am of being vulnerable. I'm learning to lean more into my healthy place, which is a two. We'll get into that in a second. Um, as stated before, I often wrestle with my sexuality and relating to other men, both gay and straight, because so much of who I am and how I relate to others feels so out of my control. When I'm healthy, I lean into myself and others. When I'm unhealthy, I withdraw and retreat. Do you resonate with that? Like relationships, all relationships, it takes two to tango. So does that bring a sense of unease that you can't control what the other person's side of the fence is, <laughs> essentially? So uh, one of the things is, yeah, we, we do withdraw, uh, whether it's publicly or privately. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's a huge, huge thing. Um, for myself, when I withdraw, um, it always comes, I always get, I always get quiet. Like no matter what, if, if, uh, I withdraw, I get quiet. And then from there, um, if I, uh, want to go further then I withdraw publicly and like, I don't want to hang out with anybody. I just want to be alone by myself. And from there, uh, you are in your own thoughts. And that's a, that's a huge part where you uh, regress to uh, Enneagram Five, and I, I have a I have a, a friend who's a who's an Enneagram Eight. He's unfortunately he's unhealthy right now, and um, yeah, and I'm I'm seeing it with with my own eyes of like, hey, I I recognize this. It's like I recognize where you're at, and I've been there before. And not only that, but it gives me kind of like a new perspective on the outside of, of being an Enneagram eight. So it's like, I actually can see what I did. Like when I, when I become unhealthy and I regress to a five and for him and both him and I always agree. It's like, Hey, it's like the dangerous thing that we can do is get our, get inside of our own heads. And then sometimes we overthink stuff. We play out different scenarios that's unhealthy for us. And then from there, we, um, become even more unhealthy and then we lash out onto other people because we have like different scenarios that play out in, inside of our head and not only that but we also uh we miscommunicate or we don't communicate at all i'm glad you mentioned the going to five because this is as any a nerdy as we'll get on these episodes is talking about stress and security something that i particularly just love about the enneagram what makes it so dynamic versus other personality models, there's a lot of movement and, and shapes that these types can take depending on your state and what the season of life that you're in is or who you're around. Um, and so something about the Enneagram is that each type goes to another type in a time of security and during a time of stress. Security and stress, neither are necessarily positive or negative, but it's the state of the life that you're in. If you're in a stable place or if you're in a stressful place, um, these are kind of traits and qualities that you take on. So you mentioned going to five. When Enneagrams are in stress, they become, they take on a lot of qualities, let's say, of the Enneagram type five, which is the observer, the um, the investigator is kind of another moniker that they go by, um, which are, are heady types. They're in that head triad. So you were mentioned being stuck in your head, playing out scenarios, that type of thing. Let me read what eights and stress yeah. do. And then... Um, and then you can tell me, adding on to this conversation, tell me if um, any of these five-like qualities that I mentioned um, come out in these areas of sexuality, masculinity, connecting with other men. So it says this, eights and stress will become disconnected 
from their emotions. Eights can become secretive, not wanting people to get too close to them. They also neglect self-care activities and practices when stuck in stressful situations. Have you noticed that happening with you? Um, for the self-care, that also, uh, that could vary. Um, whether like you don't take care of yourself, like, I don't know, like washing up or anything like that, or sexually, like you don't take care of your your own like sexual need, meaning that like for myself, whenever I was very, very unhealthy, um, I would go hook up with somebody. Mm. And that's how like self-care like was out the door because I, I didn't, I mean, I focused on my needs, but it was like more of a, like that desire of just like wanting sex, but not actually uh, wanting help, like emotional help or mental health, uh, me- mental health of, of yeah, yeah, all that stuff. So yeah, that can vary. But other than that, it's like going into uh, my my own mind, especially if uh, somebody gets under my skin and I go, I, I regress, I get mad. I get, I, yeah, I definitely get angry, but I like, I, I plot out, um, it's like, hey, I'm going to get revenge on this guy. And I, again, I go into my own mind and like, I start thinking of scenarios of how I'm going to get this person back. Like that's an unhealthy mm-hmm. thing to do, especially for an eight. Yeah. Super fascinating. Just because it's, it almost feels like if you picture the eight as like a big balloon, like the biggest, which shout out to the balloons of Albuquerque. Um, but it's like a big balloon that deflates because it's almost like all of your zest, all of your gusto is gone when you're in a stressful place, when you embrace the the negative side, the shadow side of the five. Like, yeah, it's it's so fascinating. And it's for it's going to be that way for all of these types. It's not like the eight is a special case because I feel like all of these types are so magical when they're healthy and full of life. But then when they're in a stressful situation and those negative qualities come out. Um, it's just, it's, it's a stark contrast. And I think it's especially true. Yeah. Of the eight. Yeah. And another thing to add, um, yeah. w- uh, we do, we definitely do get emotionless. Like once, once we go into, um, a, a regressive five, um, being emotionless, like we, we become heartless and we don't care about anybody's feelings except our own because we, we want our own, uh, gratification. And we don't think about anybody else. Do you feel that tie-in? We don't, we haven't. We might sprinkle in these uh, the vices into these conversations too, because each of the types has a primary vice, and it's rooted on like the seven deadly sins plus a couple others. But um, the primary vice for the eight is lust, and so do you see lust? Obviously, we know what lust is, and lust is an easy one to draw a connection to sexuality. But but yep. do you see that yep. lust more than just sexual lust? Like, do you see that playing out when you're in a stressful situation? Yeah, like uh, again, having your own gratification, you you have that intensity. You want that intensity. You want somebody to match up that intensity uh, within you, whether uh, it's sexually or if you're getting angry and you want them to be angry as well. Uh So like you start yelling them and and degrading them and all that stuff, and you want them to yell at you. So basically, so you can punch them. So yeah. Have you punched somebody before? Not yet. There's a couple times where I, I, I wanted to. I, was I, see, so close. I see a fire yeah. in your eyes right now as you look off yeah, into no, the distance. Well, yeah, yeah well, well, because I'm, I'm remembering of, of a kind of a recent situation where like somebody said something to me and like I was angry and I actually had to leave the premises and a, a friend of mine who's a two like had to follow me in and calm me down because like I, I like I, I, 
regress like mm-hmm. so hard and so fast and just kind of like, and I wanted that person to match me so I can in the end have an excuse to retaliate. Very, very interesting. So that's a little bit of a relational dynamic there as far as eights and anger. Here's the feedback from uh, from our yabber. He said this about uh, times of stress, eights and stress. Simply put, I shut down. I feel my emotions deeply, but I stuff them away. If I've had a fight with somebody or crossed a line relationally, I'll cut you off. When I'm not often trying to make peace as I wing nine very strongly. It's hard for me to process my emotions and circumstances. I either overanalyze everything, often to the point of crippling indecision, or I'll cry and move along. Uh, our wings differ because for him, he shuts down for me. I shut down a little bit. Um, well, I, yeah, I do shut down, but like you can see within my facial expressions of how angry I get. And from there, like I, there are times where I just, I, I, I can't um, control my emotions and like, I'm doing my best to do it, but like sometimes I say words and it's not pretty. So that's where I think for me and him, we uh, differ. I think that's the clearest one yet so far about the yeah, the nine wing and the seven wing and how there might be a little bit of a, yeah. a difference there, which for any nerds listening, maybe you know what that means. If you don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> we'll continue. Um, our last section, Matt, before we go today is about security. So when you're in security, eights move to two, which are the helpers, the givers, um, the cheery housewife. <laughs> So let me, let me read. Yeah. So let me read the description about eights and security. Eights and security will begin to trust more in things bigger than themselves. They will stop having so much anxiety about showing their emotions to others around them. This growth will allow them to receive care and love from those close in their lives. So how do you exhibit two like security in areas of sexuality and masculinity connecting with other men? So I, uh, how, um, I do that is um, I become more um, emotional. Uh, I become more, uh, I, I do my best to uh, uh, make sure that others are being taken care of. And that also means that like, I understand where they're coming from. So um, uh, not, not only that, but um, I also uh, um, uh, make sure that uh, they are seen, that they are loved, um, and that their needs becomes uh, uh, first than mine. So uh, one, I think one of the things about eights, sometimes maybe the majority, or yeah, I think sometimes, not all the time, but we are very loyal. Um, mm. One of the things, yeah, what, what makes us loyal is we try to keep our word. Uh, if we don't, then it's it, again it goes back to the trust issues you can't trust us and, and we don't want that it's like we want to be the most trusted person like out there more than anybody again it's part of the control yeah and uh yeah and going into going into into twos like you actually want to be a servant to others and again it's probably because we want we want control of how people look at us so i wouldn't be surprised if it goes down uh down that rabbit hole as well. Yeah. Here's the Yabber feedback on security. He said this, I let other men in to see, know, and care for the real me. 
I allow myself to get closer to other gay men without being afraid of falling for them, quote unquote. And I allow straight men into my life and try to extend more grace to them to try and not to see them as so dense and clueless all the time. Do you see straight men as dense or clueless? Uh, sometimes the gay community, dense and clueless sometimes. Uh, I'm the opposite. Interesting. So. Okay. Because um, <laughs> I was curious. Because you love your straight boyfriends over there. And so I was curious <laughs> if you see any of them ever as dense or clueless, because that didn't seem like it would be something you would agree with. Straight boyfriends. Don't ever say that again. Boy that's, space. That's just too weird. Boy space friends. I don't know if you heard the space, but there wasn't a one word. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to be more, it's basically being more vulnerable, being more, um, yeah, vulnerable with your emotions, your needs, and and your actions. Because uh, for me, um, like when I'm when I'm into a healthy place, like I make sure that if I'm actually having a bad day, I text my friends about it. Or if like like if if something is wrong, or if like something I need to talk about, I don't I don't I don't go into, uh, to seclusion. I make sure that others are there for me. As uh, and I, I tell them, I tell them too. It's like, hey, it's like I, I want you guys to be there for me. Like, I know I'm, I'm there for you guys. And there are times where it looks like I am not having a bad day, but there, are, I will tell you that I am having a bad day, and I do need to talk about it. So it's like, and I will go to uh, the people that I trust uh, when I'm in, in, in a healthy mode, which I hope people, yeah, I hope your friends realize that about you, that that maybe doesn't come naturally. Maybe, maybe it's gotten easier for you as you practiced it, but to be able to go to people and tell them when you're struggling, like I would hope that yeah they would appreciate that, that that does, that's no small feat for, for somebody that maybe isn't wired to go that way as, uh, as easily or as conveniently as others are. Something, something that I've enjoyed about some, like a practical example that might seem silly to some listening, but is actually really just meaningful to me. And we've talked about it on our convo casts over the years is when I visit you, like we'll go shopping, we'll go to the mall and you'll have me try You'll pick out clothes for me and I'll try them on and you'll give me my feedback on what it is. And it's just really cool. Like that's something where you, you definitely come across as confident with the clothing, with your style. And, and you, we did a fashion podcast back in the day. And so it's just really fun to see that, like, that's, that's just such a, a tangible example of you helping somebody and offering feedback and just being blunt and, but also just being caring and gentle as well. And I have appreciated those times that I've spent with you where we've gone to the mall and tried on clothes. <laughs> That's because I know what I'm doing. And in a way, you're kind of clueless confident. with the fashion world. Yeah. I mean, again, confidence kind of goes, comes with, uh, comes along with like knowing what you want. And because I know what I want and I know what I want for you, that's where, that's where I, I, I shine and everything. Mm. And, but hey, I will say this you have actually gotten better in your wardrobe. Thank so I'm actually proud of you for that. It all it, yeah, it all goes back to Stitch Fix, not a sponsor of the show. <laughs> no, Stitch Fix oh, is part of well. it, but I think I've also learned from you and I've learned from other people. I've spent more time in clothing stores thanks to time spent with you. And I kind of have started to figure out what my comfortable lane is and what my a chance to branch out is. But we won't dive into F- Tom's fashion talk because, again, this is about you. Um, I want to close the episode by doing this every single time because it's I want to... 
invite people listening. If you have an eight in your life, which surely you do, if it's 15% of the population, then surely you have an eight in your life. Um, I just want to give encouragement to people listening. If they have an eight in their life and they want to know how to love them more, um, this is according to Truity. Here's what they said about loving an eight. If you love an eight, remember, they're going to love you hard and long and loyally if they feel you can be trusted. This is, however, a rather big if, because as most eights know, they have often lost trust at an early age and are on their guard. However, they're excellent about sharing their frustrations, not usually overly fearful, and are not extremely bothered by showing their stamina and power in a disagreement. This is indeed the gift of the eight. A good growth practice is to remind your eight to be self-controlled versus rapaciously going after more always. You can also encourage them to be helpful and not demanding, to trust the higher power versus always only following their gut. This latter tendency can sometimes deter them from integrating their heart and thoughts or cause them to withdraw too quickly in relationships. How does that sit with you? Straight up facts right there. Straight up facts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. When, when we love hard, we love hard. I, mm. I, yeah, I, I, I know that all too well and feeling betrayed, especially when like you were betrayed when you were a little kid. Yeah. That's yeah. That's too, that's all too true. And yeah, uh, again, we, in a place of, of a, it's like, we want to trust people. But at the same time, we don't know if we can actually trust people. And that's the reason why we are very intense. Sometimes we're mean. Sometimes uh, we're, we're, we're demanding and we're straight up honest, mostly because we want to see if uh, you're worth it. And we want to see if you actually have a backbone. And if you have a backbone and you can like somewhat stand up to us, then we know that you are, you are, you are to be a trustworthy friend uh, in the near future. Mm. And with that, um, with, with that, like, we can also trust that we want to be more vulnerable with you, especially when we become really healthy and actually be vulnerable with our emotions. Yeah. Something that I'm taking away from this conversation, I'm taking a lot away, but something I'm taking away is that I think if you, I think in every relationship you have to give and take, right? You have to meet people where they are and they have to meet you where, where they are. Yep. And I think with an eight, like maybe it's different for different eights, but I, I get the sense that with the eight, maybe you have to meet the eight where they are first. Like it's always a dance, like who's meeting who, where, but if you can meet the eight where they are kind of in the ways that you just described, hopefully if they desire to connect in relationship in friendship, what have you, that there is that exchange, like that, that vulnerability, that letting that peer behind the veil, if they're in a healthy place, if they're committed to growth, um, the growth of themselves and then the growth of their relationship. Like, I think, um, I think this is a beautiful way that, uh, that, that exchange can happen in this, this little do do of, of relationship. Building. Yeah, uh, definitely. And like, once you have an eight, you basically have a friend for life because they're going to back you up. Mm. And they're if if you are having problems, and their their eights are the type of person who will seek justice. Like they will stand up for you and probably try to fight that person that you are having like trouble like with. <laughs> I mean, I, I I know I've I've tried to with a few of my friends, and it's like, hey, it's like what? It's like no, it's like let's go jump them. So, <laughs> so get an eight yeah. friend, y'all, and have him jump your enemies. Everybody needs one of those exactly. in your back pocket. Well, I mean, it speaks volumes. I said it at the beginning that, you know, we've been friends for over 10 years now. It's probably like 
close to 15 at this point, but we've been friends for all this time. And I've had other friends from Zanga or from the earlier days of, of conference hopping that are no longer in my life and you're still there. And it's, yeah. that's a testament yeah. to the loyalty, the loving long and hard. Um, we've gotten to have these adventures over the years and on all sides of the country. And so yeah, Matt, I'm, I'm invested. I'm in, I want to keep hanging out, seeing the balloons in a few months, put it on the calendar. You better. I've said you it. Freaking I have to, I have to hitchhike there if I can't afford it, yeah. but I'll get there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hey, I'll, I'll offer like some money for you to get here as well. Um, so sweet. Yeah. So you, yeah, you better be freaking here and be a man of your word because right. that's one. It's valuable. Yeah. If you're going to be friends with an A, make sure you keep your word because their word means a lot, which is yes. great. I value that so much in friendship. When someone says like, what does scripture say? Let your yes be yes. Your no be no. And I get that with you so much. So exactly. This, yes. this was Matt, you were like the greatest first guest I could have for this series because I get the sense that as we go around the Enneagram types, like <laughs> it's just, you're just going to be, your, your episode's going to stand out. Cause I get the sense a lot of them are going to sound similar. Um, but yours stands out just because there's not many, there's not many eights in our community. And so I hope people appreciate the, the uniqueness that you offer. So thanks for being first and thanks for sharing mm -hmm. how all of this lands with you. Yeah, thank you for giving, uh, giving me the platform to actually speak on, uh, my experience as an eight and be quote unquote vulnerable with you guys. It's so appreciated. We need it. We need the vulnerability all around the Enneagram, but especially from our eights, because there is a strength. Yeah. There's a strength there. Yeah. Um, also, uh, another thing, uh, a side note. Um, don't take this uh, the wrong way or like a hard way, but if um, we don't want to be your friend, then we don't want to be your friend. It's not the end of the world. Like, that's okay. Uh, that's just a, a warning for everybody who's a, who's a non-eight. Um, that doesn't mean that we won't treat you like a human being. Uh, we will. Like if uh, we just don't want to be your friend, we'll be honest. Sometimes I know I'll be honest. And Matt. if you're being weird. Yeah. Matt, I was, about I, to say I was about to say goodbye and you just ended on this really depressing note. <laughs> well, that's, By the way, if I don't want to be your friend, don't take it personally. No, like that's, that's something that like, I, I think um, a lot of people that I um, meet, they always, especially for people who want a, a, an eight friend, like I, I, I've met, but again, if you want to, if we want to end on a happy note, if when we do become your friend, we're friends for life, and we will always have your back no matter what, and we will always be honest, and you can trust us. You can definitely trust us of of any advice, any wisdom, all that stuff. Like we will be there for you no matter what, no matter what. Absolutely, and I love that you hit on that even before because you didn't see that description, so you had never heard those words, and it came out that eights will love you long and hard and loyally. And that's exactly what you said right before that. And so put it in gold. It's uh, it's a thing. Thank you, Matt, again, for sharing the eight. You guys stay tuned next week. We go into the land of nines, which is the third most frequented type in our community. There's a ton of nines. Um, so looking forward to talking to a voice you've heard many times before, but we're gonna get his one-on-one -on -one perspective on the type nine. So that's coming up next as we continue this Ennea series, this ConvoCast series, um, as we go through the Enneagram, starting with the gut types of eight, nine, and one. So Matt, you're awesome. Thanks for being in my life. Thanks to you for being in this community. And thanks for 
being so loyal all the way, you're the best. Yep. Yeah. Well, next time I'll have my voice back. Yes. <laughs> Come back again with a much stronger, more authoritative, more powerful voice. But thank you for letting us see. It was very fitting. What a metaphor to see. Let us see your vulnerable voice all uh, decrepit and cracked. <laughs> It's good to said I was going to do it, and I'm going to do it. You did it. You did there it. You, you did so well. Awesome, brother. Yep. Much love, and we'll be back soon, y'all, as the Convocast Enneagram rolls on. See ya. Laters. Laters.